And friends are friends forever. If the, the Lord is the Lord of... Okay, all right, all right. It's a great song. 1983. Jimmy and I were just talking about if I should walk down the aisle to that song, which I, I think mean, I should. I think that'd be epic. <laughs> yeah, maybe I, Smitty I, himself would come. Let's restart. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Love Good Podcast brought to you by our patrons. This is Jimmy Mitchell, your host. Join me each week as I sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about music, culture, and what we call the art of being human. You see, Love Good's more than a subscription company. We're a movement of artists and patrons who believe in the power of beauty to evangelize our culture. And we're so pumped you're here. All right, in case you couldn't tell by that little blooper reel, uh, we're talking about friendship today. Friendship and, you know, the joys and the sorrow and the nostalgia and the hard work that flows from it. And, you know, it is a little bit hard for Marisol to not talk about her, well, we'll just say most important friendship, the one that is about to bloom into a married relationship. She's she's only a few weeks away from getting married, which is super exciting. I mean, obviously, we could not be more excited for Marisol, but this is kind of crazy to say the next time that she's on the podcast, she's not going to be Marisol Alisea anymore. She's going to be Marisol Ross. So this is the last episode in the history of the Love Good Podcast with Marisol Alisea as we know her. And I sure hope you enjoy it. I know that I'm going to. She'll be back with me here in the studio in just a few moments. And in the meantime, enjoy this little clip of Down by the Sycamore Tree by Kevin Hyder. We dream of a world a little more assured Where they'd find a cause Where they'd find a cure Where there'd be less uncertainty In the night But no one ever said this was a perfect world And who would ever claim such a thing? Certainly not Me Marisol Hi, welcome to the Love Good Podcast. I it, said it first. It is good to be here. It is good <laughs> to be here. Uh, you know, I left behind all of my, what I would call kind of pointless books. Oh, you mean you left them behind in Nashville? Well, I left them behind in Nashville. I've got 830 books. books. Wow, that's kind of insulting. And categorized. I think they can hear you. Yeah, I'm not too bothered by it. I mean, what do I see here? Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. I mean, <laughs> that looks good because it's filling space. <laughs> There's definitely quite a bit of, of heresy and just like business books that, you know, who like really you, cares about? Well, you read them once and then you don't need to read them again ever. But, but then I've got some childhood favorites, like my little illustrated biography of Babe Ruth over there. Oh, okay, that's so sweet. But I just pulled off clearly one of the greatest books ever written in the history of books. <laughs> why was it on your worthless shelf? <laughs> friends are Friends Forever by Michael W. Smith. Well, with Perspectives by Michael W. Smith. <laughs> You didn't write it. <laughs> <laughs> well, most of the book, to be fair, is uh, scripture verses. Oh, okay. And I think the idea is like, you know, you, 
you get like a copy of the book for you and, and for your friends and and you read different parts of scripture together. And yeah, I, I really think it's not by Michael W. Smith for a reason. Other encouragements. It's, that's very misleading right here. Uh, were, it reminds me of like every book ever written by a president. Yeah. They've been ghostwritten, you know? Of course. Um, all that to say, th- this song, Friends Are Friends Forever, is the one that I think you're planning to walk down the aisle to. Yeah, you at, know, I've been, uh, well, I mean, it's kind of, <laughs> kind of a joke. You know, I mean, how the, you know how it goes, though. Are you going? Are you guys going to do that traditional Latin mass? Yeah, we're going to do a traditional Latin mass for our non-Catholic listeners. That's a it's a more come ancient, on, even for our Catholic listeners. Yeah, yeah, it's a more ancient form of the one true mass, mm. and it's in Latin. The whole thing is there. You go, and so that'll be beautiful. So very mysterious, very sacred, yeah. very ancient. Yeah. And yet you're going to have a 1983 pop song yeah. from Michael well, W. Smith. Here's the thing, though. The great <laughs> thing about the traditional Latin mass wedding is that the wedding is actually outside of the mass. Uh, I thought and you so, said the wedding was outside. Like, <laughs> no, like whoa. <laughs> no. Um, so the wedding happens first. So like the vows and all of that happen first. So it's kind of funny because obviously, well, with a Latin mass, there's a lot more rules what you can and can't do. Mm. But when the wedding is outside mass, you know, all bets are off. You can do whatever you want Yeah. in terms of music and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, as long as you don't do it like in the middle of the vows, you know, like I do. Because of friends, of friends. <laughs> no. So yeah, I mean, I could really walk down the aisle to whatever song I want. Uh, including what are the anything by Michael W. What, Smith. What are the options? I actually don't have an, any options right now. I was trying to talk to Garrett about it yesterday and I was like, what are your favorite church songs? And he's like, I don't know the names of any church songs. And I was like, you give me nothing to work with. <laughs> and he's like, if you named a few, then maybe I would know them. And I named like 10. And he's like, yeah, I don't think I've heard those before. You, I'm like, you, yes, you have. You know this song, by the way, Friends of Friends Forever, was written by Michael W. Smith and his wife, Debbie. Aww. I'd also like to point out that we're officially having a conversation that's irrelevant to 99% of the world's population. <laughs> For those who don't know, this is a, I don't know, a classic song? that has been re-recorded. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was sung at George H.W. Bush's funeral. Thank you. That is significant enough. Yeah, right? I watched, that's the only part of the funeral I watched. God yeah, rest me, his soul. Me I mean, I'm sure the rest of the funeral was great, but yeah. I just watched that clip, you know, shed a tear too. Yeah, of course. So here's a question, you know, not so much that song, although it's played its role in my life, but the idea of friendship is in fact something that was solidified uh, in my years in Nashville. Yeah. And so me whenever too. I come to Nashville, I don't think of family, for mm-hmm. example, because I've only lived here more or less by myself, right? Yeah. Like I've never had family living in Nashville apart from a brief time that my sister was at Vanderbilt, you know? So when I think of Nashville, among other things, I think of friends, which can shape us, can absolutely build us into who we are, you know? And and yet, I I don't think there has been a, a serious philosophical book written about friendship in years, you know? Interesting. And you think about even just Aristotle's notion of, you know, friendship of utility and yeah. friendship of pleasure and ultimately friendship of excellence or, or virtue. That's something that Dr. Ryan Hanning and I have talked about on the podcast before. But I don't know that many of us know how to enter into and really engage in friendship mm-hmm. in a very intentional way. Even right now, I've been in Tampa for a year. I'm finding it difficult to build friends outside of work, for example. It's really hard to be intentional. It's hard to find like-minded people that you really do want to, you know, sort of 
chase after virtue together with or that you want to just share life together with. And yet, I must say, I think part of it's the the creative community, part of it's just how intimate Nashville still feels, even though it's blowing up. Uh, friendship has always come naturally in this town. Yeah, People are really good at it. Yeah, you know, and I think sometimes we sort of overemphasize Nashville on this podcast, and that's because it's where we are. I get yeah. it, and Nashville just it is a specifically interesting place, and everybody really does love it. Yeah, and I think too, like Nashville too. Sorry, and I think this is why friendship is a little bit more natural here, if that makes sense. Just because a lot of people don't have nine to five jobs, mm-hmm. because like people just go to coffee shops all day. Like I know that sounds so lame, especially if you're like from New York or DC, and you're like what it's true but it makes like friendship so much easier because you just i mean friendship takes time it does and it takes regularity and it takes work and it takes common interests mm-hmm. and it's just yeah and you know we didn't really sit down to talk about this on purpose but i also think friendship is the most powerful way to bring people into the faith mm, mm. you know it's what jose maria always called the apostolate of friendship right yeah you're earning the right to be heard. You're yeah. you're loving people first, you know, and and earning their trust long yeah. before you try to bring them to to church on Sunday, yeah. you know. So it's interesting that you know that's a it's a value or it's a priority for people to have friendship in their life. But I mean, where do we even turn, you know, to see it modeled well? Yeah. Um, again, like I mean, apart from this little book. <laughs> That's basically just a collection of scripture, you know. Thank you, Smitty. I don't know. Um, I think it really could be at the same level as Aristotle's. I don't think so. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't think so. And, you know, one of the reasons that he's always run with that word is because, you know, he, he says that he doesn't have fans. He just has friends. And I would actually push is, back on yeah, that a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. Is that true? No. No. No, no. Not in the, the deepest sense of the word. Heck no. Obviously, no. you know. But it is very sentimental and very sweet. And, you know, I remember being a senior in high school and meeting Micah W. Smith backstage wearing my Friends or Friends Forever t-shirt. And here's what I do think shaped me in a very profound way. We spent 90 seconds. I, I literally think that either last week or next week on the podcast, Father Ryan Adorjan and I are going to talk about this exact same interaction. <laughs> I'm just not realizing. And I also know that it's definitely come up on the podcast before. But, you know, you should still say it. He, in those 90 seconds treated me like I was the only person on planet Earth. Mm. There is something about friendship that does that, yeah. where you can rest in the presence of the other person, where there's yeah. nothing to say, nothing to to prove. You just are validated for existing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When did you first experience that? When By the way, I'm always asking you the questions, but yeah, I'm well, waiting for you to ask me a question. I know. Well, what, when did you first experience that? <laughs> you go first, and then I'll, and then I'll go. <sighs> no way. I need to think about it. Do you need time? Yeah. My first experience, that would have been college. Okay. I had some great, more circumstantial friendships in high school, you know, but I don't think there was anybody who was being intentional mm. and reaching out. And therefore, I didn't really know that that was a thing. Mm-hmm. I just knew that you're friends with the people you play sports with. You're friends with the people you go to school with. You're friends with the people you go to church with, you know. I mean, that sounds crazy to me now, but I didn't know how to be intentional because I, I didn't, I didn't yeah. see it. Yeah. It was all circumstantial. Yeah. And therefore, there was a lot of friendship of utility and friendship of pleasure, you know, people mm-hmm. that you just happen to get along with. But there was no going out of your way to cultivate friendship with someone that you really admired or respected yeah. and thought, that's the kind of person I want to be, yeah. you know? So I got to college and that 100% happened in the whole, like, 
discerning whether or not to, I wouldn't have called it discernment at the time, but <laughs> choosing a fraternity, yeah. you know, having professors who went out of their way to take me to lunch or to even invite me to their family's mm. house for dinner. Wow. You know, good Christian men who poured into me. So in some ways, that first taste of virtuous friendship, of authentic, intentional friendship came in the form of mentorship, you know? Some of the older brothers, the older students, you know, at Vanderbilt who were in my fraternity had a similar sort of intentionality about them. I will say this, I also met a few people while I was in college that were kind of creepy about it. Mm. It was just like icky sweet. That would happen at Benedictine too. People would call these things called, they friend crush it honestly made me feel so no, weird. It's weird and people would say it like girls would come up to me and be like i have a friend crush on you i'm like what am i supposed to say to that yeah it's awkward and then she's like then you would go on a friend date mm -hmm. and i'm like I, i'm this is weird it's over the top and that's again you know we talked about this a few weeks ago things gotta stay organic yeah you know it's gotta feel natural yeah. you know and and yet there's still got to be something intentional about it mm. so uh, for me it was definitely college i've stalled long enough how about you so I was actually thinking about how like I was actually blessed in this, um, you could call it blessed. I was in a graduating class of nine girls. It was an all girls school. So nine people, all girls. And I saw this picture of you marching across campus that one day that you were leading oh, the, yeah. the revolution. And I did picture like a thousand young girls around you. Wait, really? But not if you had a graduating class of nine. No, there was a hundred girls, K through 12. Total. Total. So you leading a, a revolution on your campus. Of a hundred girls. Which is the entire student body. Yeah, including Very. the first graders. <laughs> Most especially including the first graders. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They kept the chant rolling. <laughs> How old were you? Can you tell that story real quick? Okay, so when I was in high school, <laughs> it was like senior year and you're getting kind of loopy and you're like so done. And the power went out and there's this like law in our county <laughs> that if the power goes out for more than two hours, you have to send all the kids home. But our school never followed that law. <laughs> <laughs> and like it was kind of a janky building so the power went out all the time Yeah. but I think there are reasons that law is in place and I'm not even sure that private school had to follow the law but like anyway so every time the power would go out we would set a timer and we'd be after two hours we'd be like we're done we're going home and the teachers would just like be like no you're not stay here so one day we were like we're done we're doing this so the power went out and after two hours, we were like, we are done. There's no more school. So I like went. So we had like 10 minute breaks as most schools do. But it was kind of strange because this K through 12 school had the 10 minute break at the same time. So all like the first graders and the high schoolers are like in the same hallways and stuff. So I'm just that like. That is weird. Yeah, it was really strange, but like really cool. And all girls too. Mm -hmm. So we're like, I'm like, everybody outside. Like me and all my class, we just like divided and conquered and got everybody to come outside and got all the teachers distracted and <laughs> everybody's outside and we're marching around the school. And this is right after Les Mis had just come out and we mm. were like hyped about this. So we're chanting like, no power, no school, no power, no school. And then the middle schoolers were like obsessed with Les Mis. They were chanting, do you hear the people sing, singing the songs of angry men? And oh. we were just like, yeah, it was pretty crazy. And then I got detention. For you like, and your Friends. Two months. So me and one of my friends, we were like the, the ringleaders of it. We were the only ones that got detention because you can't give the whole school detention. Yeah. So it was just us that got detention and the rest of the school was revolting against our detention. So every time we'd be in detention, when the teacher would walk out, there'd be all of the desks piled up outside of the door. Huh. Like every single time. As like another like lame as tribute. Oh my <laughs> but, goodness. So yeah, that was, um, that's the story. <laughs> Y'all are any school's administration's nightmare. I mean, that's scary yeah. stuff. My principal pulled me aside that day and said, 
Marisol, you're going to do great things in, li- in life because you're not afraid of authority. Please try to use your leadership for the good. <laughs> <laughs> so this is cool because I, I didn't mean to distract you too much, but yeah. you grew up in a school where, where sisterhood yeah. and, and therefore to some extent friendship, intentional friendship must yeah. have been at, at least held up as an ideal, right? Yeah, it had to be intentional because the thing was is that so me and my eight graduating class, we were together all day, every day for four years mm-hmm. and we didn't choose them. We didn't necessarily have common interests. We didn't necessarily have, we didn't have compatible personalities. And so I was taught very, very young, meaning like in high school to like love and work through problems and communicate and dispel drama like very intentionally because Mm -hmm. like if you and another girl were not getting along, it affected the whole class. So you had to figure it out. And so I just remember, and like the school is also amazing. And the administration was a very big part of that. Like if two girls were fighting, teachers would really like sit down with them at lunch and help them work through what was going on and things like that. So it was really cool. That was very much something that I was like, very much trained in in a way and like knew was important from day one. Definitely yeah. prepared me for my living situation now with 10 girls. It's crazy. And definitely prepared me for marriage. And me and these girls, we still have a group chat. Mm-hmm. We're still, like a bunch of us are getting married this year. We're all going to each other's weddings. We meet up once a year. Mm-hmm. Like they're very, very much my sisters. And so I think that was my first experience of like intentional friendship that you have to work for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so what are the key marks? You know, I mean, I don't want this to feel a lot like the conversation we had about marriage yeah. and having to kind of work through the key elements that make any dating relationship and, and ultimately married relationship, you know, successful. But there's got to be some crossover, you know? Yeah. It's, when, yeah. when you think about especially just the opportunity to be sanctified and to at times, yes, be intentional and to, and to make the choice, yeah. you know, to love somebody, but to also deal with the fact that okay, you don't always have your pick of the litter when it comes to the, the people you're friends with, the people that you're living life with. Yeah, It's certainly true of roommates. It's true of people you work with. But I mean, with timing and schedules and life being what it is, that's even true with the, the friendships of affection, the friendships of pleasure, the friendships of, of with people you just enjoy. Yeah, You know, like a lot of my very closest friends right now live all over the world. Yeah. I, I can't get them all together. I can't hang out with them as regularly as I'd like to. And I can only spend so much time behind a screen. So yeah. FaceTiming only gets you so far. Mm-hmm. What do you think are the key elements of, we'll say virtuous friendship, the kind of friendship that, like how you described marriage a few weeks ago, sanctifies you, but not in a way that just is all suffering and all, yeah, yeah. you know, pain, but but rather in a way that, does lead to a, a sort of redemptive joy? I think true honesty. I think there's a lot of, I have a lot of friends that I don't feel like I can be truly honest with. And that's okay. Like you don't, you don't, you shouldn't be like 100% transparent with everyone you meet. Mm-hmm. But then there, you meet some people where you're just like, I can tell you anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's really cool. So that's one. What do you think is one? Yeah. I. The word that does constantly come come back to me is intentionality. Yeah. Because I don't think you can just be friends by accident. Oh, I don't think you so know? either. I think circumstances can. You can at the beginning. You can have yeah. a shallow friendship by accident. For sure. But you have to work hard for that deep. Yeah. Because I'm thinking about every trip I've made to Nashville, even in the last year and a half since no longer living here, <laughs> it's just surrounded by intentional moments that mm-hmm. would have never happened if somebody hadn't reached out or if I hadn't reached out, you know. And what does that really say to somebody? It says that you are absolutely worth my time. Yeah. And that even sometimes when I'm 
maybe a little bit bored or I don't have a lot going on and, or I'm in a car and I, you know, can make longer phone calls. Like you're one of those people that always comes to mind. And that's a way of communicating love to somebody, yeah. you know? Now on the flip side, you know, I think the, the danger for me is to be a little too choosy and mm. to be not as open to friendship with people that I'm kind of stuck with because they're my neighbor yeah. or because they're my coworker, yeah. you know? So the flip side of that for me is also receiving friendship as a as a gift and not always putting like crazy expectations on it to fulfill some kind of relational need yeah. that we all have, yeah. but that ultimately is only fulfilled in Christ. Anyway, so that's the that's sort of the beautiful thing is is friendship is really just a reflection or a a sort of precursor to the ultimate divine friendship we're all made for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think too, I kind of want to turn the conversation a little bit. What do you think are things that get in the way of friendship? Mm. I have a couple of things in my mind, but I also want to know what you think. Well, the first word that comes to me is suspicion, like lack of trust. Yeah. Because yeah. I've experienced that, you know, yeah. where something was said, something was done, trust was lost, often just out of a misunderstanding, even yeah. not even malice. And it can take a while to rebuild that, you mm-hmm. know? That really makes me sad. And it's because, you know, thanks be to God, I've not been burned mm. many times in my life. I have a natural trust of just about everybody, you know? <laughs> and therefore, I always get a little bit confused when people don't reciprocate that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Or sometimes how little it takes to to burn a bridge, you know? So obviously, you said it first, you know, that you have to have trust and in a relationship and honesty, and, yeah. and, and honesty. And I think the suspicion of someone's intentions or, yeah, just a suspicion about someone's goodness and, and someone's virtue, that can be so damaging. Yeah. I was thinking one that I think is really common for females is competition. Mm. And this is something that bothers me a lot because especially with getting married too, like there's like three girls in my whole life that have been like the most competitive. Like I've had the most just really like strenuous and competitive relationship with. And they're all three getting married this year. <laughs> and I'm just like, it's very hard to like look, like live and not like be comparing myself to them or, and not like, I feel like as girls, a lot of times we'll sit down and have this conversation. Like this is what's going on in my life. And then they say, this is what's going on in my life. Almost as like to compare what yeah. you just said. Yeah. And it's like, you have to very much be like detached and, mm. It, it just like has ruined a lot of friendships for me, which yeah. is really hard. And like, that's something that I struggle with a lot too, because sometimes you can be really close to someone and then the friendship suddenly gets competitive or like, or you work through that and you move past that. And like, then suddenly you have like the super deep, awesome friendship. Mm. But I think that's something that like, it takes a lot of like virtue and intentionality to like get past that. Mm. Like, Oh, here's a hot take. Yeah. Or a question that might lead to a hot take. Yeah. Do you think it's possible for men and women to be friends with oh, each other? That's a really good question. I like, mm, yeah, for, of course we have to define friendship. Friends. I think, yes, it's possible for men and women to be friends. To what level and how much time they spend together is the real question. Mm-hmm. Like, I think now that like I'll be getting married, I don't anticipate spending one-on-one time with a guy who I'm not, don't have any reason to be spending one-on-one mm-hmm. time with. Mm-hmm. Unless 
for some crazy reason, like they're in town, Garrett's out of town. We just like meet up for coffee real quick and it's like 30 minutes or something like that, you know? Even that, doesn't it almost feel like unnatural? It does feel weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I don't think that, yeah. And I think friendships change too as you get older. Mm-hmm. I think too, sometimes it's hard because that is, does really depend on your season of life. Right. Like I think like in college and in high school, like that is a little bit more okay mm-hmm. just to have like, like closer friends of the, like the opposite gender just because of the stage of life. Right. Whereas the older you get, the more it just feels unnatural. And Especially once married. It's just not an option. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like, but but one thing that has been super joyous for me is like my really close guy friends from high school and college, like inviting them into friendship with me and Garrett yeah. has been so fun. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like it's even better because mm-hmm. like it's not, it's this like openness and trust. It's like, of course, I'm just going to be like open yeah. and normal because like Garrett's right there. And mm. like, we, there's that freedom there, which is really, really cool, which I never had when I was single. Yeah. Which is great. But yeah, does that answer your question? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I totally agree. I think you and I would be on the same page about that. Yeah. yeah totally. I mean, the way that C.S. Lewis describes it kind of with some comedy is that, you know, at a certain point, somebody falls in love. Yeah. It's yeah, just yeah, it's yeah, too, yeah, yeah. too unlikely yeah. for it to ever really be a good sort of... Um, Detached. Yeah, yeah. Detached, like... This is reminding me very much of a, a quote by Robert Hugh Benson. Uh-huh. I'm going to go and look it up right now because I had uh, dinner last night with a very dear friend of ours, Father Rhodes Bolster. Yeah, he's saying my wedding mass. Ah, that's <laughs> very cool. Yeah. I'll be so curious to know if we can make it the whole episode without Marisol talking about her wedding. Sorry, I actually don't <laughs> talk about my wedding that much. <laughs> but this is a beautiful quote that he shared with me at dinner last night. And maybe the one that we'll, we'll conclude our, our conversation yeah. with today. It's a book by Robert E. Benson. He's mostly famous for having written several apocalyptic novels. like Lord of the World, Dawn of All. Yeah. Very intense guy. He was the, the son of the Archbishop of Canterbury in England at some point in the 19th century, ended up converting, becoming a Catholic, then a priest, and eventually a, a famous novelist. But he also wrote nonfiction, like spiritual books. I didn't know that. Cool. This I didn't one know is that called, either. This one is called Friendship of Christ. Mm. And this is just a little poem in the middle of that book called Friendship with Christ. It goes like this. And maybe this will be our nice reminder, really, of the role that friendship plays in pointing us again to the divine, which only furthers the responsibility we have to to love Christ in our friends, you know, to, to bring Christ forth from our friends, maybe especially those who don't know his love as we do. Again, this is called Friendship of Christ. This poem is called, This is My Friend by Robert Hugh Benson. Let me tell you how I made his acquaintance. I had heard much of him, but took no heed. He sent daily gifts and presents, but I never thanked him. He often seemed to want my friendship, but I remained cold. I was homeless and wretched and starving and in peril every hour. And he offered me shelter and comfort and food and safety, but I was ungrateful still. At last he crossed my path and with tears in his eyes, he besought me saying, come and abide with me. Let me tell you how he treats me now. He supplies all my wants. He gives me more than I dare ask. He anticipates my every need. He begs me to ask for more. He never reminds me of my past ingratitude. He never rebukes me for my past follies. 
Let me tell you further what I think of him. He is as good as he is great. His love is as ardent as it is true. He is as lavish of his promises as he is faithful in keeping them. He is as jealous of my love as he is deserving of it. I am in all things his debtor, and he bids me call him friend. Isn't that great? That's so great. Robert Hugh Benson, everybody. I don't know how easy this is to find, but again, the book is called Friendship of Christ. Marisol, always a pleasure. We'll see you in a few weeks for your last episode here in season six. Yeah. And can't wait to see where that conversation goes. Absolutely. Thank you, Jimmy. Peace. You're listening to Brighter Days by Marie Miller. Well, you know, don't we all just sort of have a sense deep within us that brighter days are ahead? I think that's the virtue of hope, at least in the soul of every Christian. There's always this burning hope for for what is to come. And even when life kind of throws us curveballs, even when life is full of sorrows, actually, uh, there's always this profound hope in eternity, this profound hope in the beatific vision that awaits us all. And I must say, that's what true Christian friendship is all about. I mean, that's what today's episode is all about. Friendship with another person on the same path, on the same journey towards heaven is in fact a foretaste and a nice reminder, a constant reminder of their friendship that we're all called to have with God himself. He says, I have come not to call you slaves, but friends. And if that's a foreign concept to you, I really could not encourage you more to sit down with Isaiah, okay? Some of my favorite books in the entire Bible, but Isaiah chapter 43, okay? It's all about this personal love of God that sets us free and that ultimately makes everything new and fuels our heart with hope and gives us a profound sense of our dignity and just of our belovedness, all right? So if that's kind of, again, a little bit of a crazy idea that God can be a, a, a personal and a close and an intimate friend. Um, read Isaiah 43, pray Isaiah 43, even better. And uh, just know that we got some great things in the pipeline. Next week, I'm sitting down with Dr. Ryan Hanning to talk about Carrie Underwood and culture. You know, I'm a little ashamed, but you know, Hanning, my main man, Dr. Ryan Hanning, he is a little bit more on top of music these days than I am. I, I live in Tampa, which is Cigar City, USA. So I'm, I'm very proud to say I'm more on top of cigars than he is. But we're going to talk about a lot of his different music recommendations right now and what it really means to understand uh, culture, music, and the gospel, and where they intersect, where they could and where they should intersect. And yeah, Carrie Underwood, I mean, come on, what a dream. I just love everything about her and getting to have a whole episode talking about her music and some other great new music that's out right now. What a fun privilege it is. We'll see you guys next week. In the meantime, pray for us and know that we're praying for you. Peace.
Thanks for listening to the Love Good Podcast. Share this episode link on social media, leave us a review, and join our movement today by subscribing as a patron at joinlovegood.com. You'll start enjoying our premium content and seasonal packages that not only raise your standard for music, books, and art, but that also inspire you to evangelize culture through beauty. We can't wait to accompany you as you change the world.